Welcome. God's people are always trying to learn the lessons that God is teaching them. In every circumstance, in every situation, they're looking for the lessons that God wants them to learn. But can they learn anything from observing a person who is very, very evil? Today we're looking at Psalm 36. Welcome, my name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible by using the Psalms. So Psalm 36 has a title that is just a little different from the titles we're used to in the Psalms. It begins to the chief musician, that's the leader of the temple music, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Notice the description David gives of himself here. He doesn't say, as he usually does, just, just simply a psalm of David. He adds, the servant of the Lord. Now David was a king. He was a king of Israel. He could have written a psalm of David, the king of Israel. But no, as he thought about the subjects in this psalm, David wanted to express himself humbly. He wanted to draw attention to the fact that although he was a king, God was his master and it was his duty to obey God in everything. So we think maybe the subjects in this psalm had had a particularly powerful effect on David's mind. Let's look at what David was thinking about in verse 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Okay, so what David was watching was the transgression of the wicked, the evil things, the evil way that wicked people were living. And as he observed this wicked man with his wicked acts and wicked thoughts, it gave evidence of something to David. It said something within David's own heart. David was a witness of something that was happening when he simply looked at this wicked person. What was he the witness of? Well, the fact that there is no fear of God before his eyes. That's a wicked man's eyes. In other words, David saw this evil person doing his evil things and he knew that this evil person did not fear God. To fear God means to respect God, to put God in his proper place. And no, this evil person's evil attitudes proved that he was not doing that. It proved that he did not care about God. He did not care about the need to respect God, to give honour to God. Verse 2. For he, that's the wicked man, flattereth himself in his own eyes, until his iniquity be found to be hateful. When you flatter someone, you say that they're great. You, you try to impress them. Well, this wicked man, 
doesn't need other people to flatter him because he's doing it for himself. He's assuring himself that he is the greatest person who ever lived. And he's going to continue to do that until his iniquity be found to be hateful, until his evil deeds have become so obvious to everyone that this wicked person can no longer pretend that he's the greatest and the kindest and the best person ever. Uh, no, now everyone knows the truth and uh, it is to be hoped that he will at least feel ashamed. But while he continues in that evil course, verse 3, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. Everything that he does, he does to cause trouble. He does everything that he says. He's saying to deceive other people, to take advantage of them, to use them for his own benefit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. What do God's people want to do? They want to be wise. They, they want to live lives that God approves of. They want to do good things. But no, the evil person hath left off to be wise. He's abandoned that course of life. He's turned away from that method of living. And instead, verse 4, he deviseth mischief upon his bed. In the Hebrew language, that word for mischief is the same as the word for iniquity in verse 3. It could be translated uh, something utterly worthless, trouble, wickedness. That's what he is devising upon his death, uh, upon his bed, sorry. In other words, he's making evil schemes, even on his bed, even at night in the darkness. Other people need something to tempt them to do evil things. This man doesn't even need that. When he's at be in bed, when he is half asleep, he is making his evil plans. He is making his wicked schemes. He is working out how to do more and more evil things. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He arranges his life. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. He's not turning from his evil deeds. He's turning two evil deeds. More and more, he chooses an evil way. Now, that's the portrait, if you like, of the evil person in this psalm. And uh, can we learn anything from, can we learn anything from that about how God's people should live? Well, we can learn not to do these things. We can learn that it's wrong not to have fear of God, respect for God, verse 1. We can learn that we shouldn't flatter ourselves, that we shouldn't say how great we are, verse 2. That we have to be careful with our words, that we shouldn't choose words that are full of iniquity and deceit, verse 3. We should speak the words that please God, that give honour to God. And that when we're making plans, when we're thinking through things, we need to turn away constantly from the temptation, the thought that we can benefit by this evil scheme or that evil scheme, 
Verse 4, we need not do that. We need to arrange our lives in the way that is good. So if that's how we must constantly think, then let us think about what is good and proper for us to think. If we continue to think about evil people with their evil deeds, well, we might be tempted ourselves to go in that way. No, we must learn from those people to set our minds on what is pure and right and good and lovely. Let's think about God. Let's think about God's goodness. Verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Verse 6. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. So Hebrew poetry likes lists of four things. And we've got four things here, four things that are very great. Firstly, the heavens, which could mean the skies. Secondly, the clouds. Thirdly, the great mountains. And lastly, the great deep, the sea, uh, and the depth of the sea, that means. So we look around us, and what is greater than the sky, than the, the clouds, than the mountains, than the depth of the sea? These are the greatest things that we can observe around us. And to those, the author of the psalm links four things that we don't actually see with our eyes, but four things about God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, the righteousness of God, the judgments of God. His mercy, his great kindness, that means. His faithfulness, the fact that he's always true to his promises, that he's always true to his word, the fact that we can trust him. Then, his righteousness, the fact that he always does what is right and good. And lastly, his judgments, his justice, the decisions that he makes as he rules heaven and earth by his power. These things are very great. And we might, we might wonder why it is that the psalmist links mercy to the heavens and faithfulness to the clouds and so on. And I read a few commentaries. I didn't, I didn't find clear answers to those questions. So I must think for myself, how is God's mercy to be compared with the heavens, with the skies above us? Well, God's mercy is available like, like the skies. It reach across the entire world to all the people on earth. If only they'll turn from their sins and put their trust in him. God's mercy is great, like the heavens, the skies. And God's faithfulness is great, like the clouds. The clouds that supply the water, the rain that we need on earth, that come in the proper season and bring life to the earth, so it is with God's faithfulness that God reaches out to us 
at the proper time and provides for us in accordance with his promise? Then how is God's righteousness like the mountains, the mountains that stand up straight, that rise up above us? God's goodness, God's righteousness, God's rightness is like that. How it towers above us, how it stands high, impressing us with its greatness. And then his judgments are like the depth of the sea. And uh, we don't understand God's judgments often. We don't see why he's doing these things or how he's ruling the world in this particular way. But we know the depth of the sea and we know the depth of God's insight. And it gives us just a little uh, of a view as to why God's justice is like the sea. O Lord, verse 6 continues, Thou preservest man and beast. Yes, God is the great provider. God is the provider for all of his creation, for people and for animals alike. He keeps them alive. He keeps them on this earth. He provides all his need, their needs. But how much more is his kindness to his people, his special people, those who know him and trust him and love him? Verse 7. How excellent is thy sorry, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. O God is so so kind and so loving to his people. They turned to him. He forgave their evil deeds. He gave them a right relationship with himself, the relationship between a loving parent and their child. And here we have the picture of maybe a mother bird reaching out its wings to protect its little newborn babies in the nest. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of their wings, just as a bird reaches out its wings to protect those, those little chicks in the nest. So God is reaching out to protect his people, and they are gathering together close to him, putting their trust in him. Verse 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Fatness is a word in the Bible which, which expresses the idea of luxury. Oily fats were, were not in plentiful supply in Bible days, and they were, they were things treasured by the rich and the wealthy. And so it becomes a word picture for everything that is good and everything that brings joy and pleasure and what God provides in his house, what God provides to his people, to the people who gather close to him, to the people who are his family, that satisfies them abundantly. God gives them all that they need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He provides for them, he provides for them riches to overflowing. My cup runneth over and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures god brings joy to his people the river 
Uh, in the Hebrew, this is the word for a wadi, a dried up riverbed. At the time when in winter the rains come to Israel in their proper season, and suddenly that dried up bed fills with water and it flows with abundant water. Oh, maybe, maybe God's people feel they're going through a dry period now. But the winter is coming, the rainy season is coming, and God will provide for them, and then they shall drink of the river of his pleasures. God will satisfy them, and more than satisfy them, he will fill them with joy in his presence. Verse 9, for with thee is the fountain of life, the source of life, in other words. In thy light we see light. Oh, there is a, a sort of life and a sort of light that is common to all people on earth. Uh, they all see, unless they're blind, of course, the light from the sun, and they all benefit from that natural light. And they all have, if they're living upon earth, a kind of life. Or, although, if they're in rebellion against God, that life might seem no better than an animal's life. But there's another sort of life and another sort of light. There's a sort of eternal life that God gives, that more abundant life. The life that will continue long after the deaths of their bodies, that they will live always with him in heaven. From God comes that sort of life. And there is another sort of light too. We see the light from the sun which gives us knowledge as, as to how to live so that we can observe the things around us on earth, so that we can choose good food and so that we can live our lives. But then this knowledge that comes from God in heaven to his people, the knowledge of how to live for him, the knowledge of the life that pleases him, and how much more wonderful that light is than natural light. That is the light by which they live for God. Verse 10. David prays, O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. There's this wicked man with whom we began our psalm, David's still not praying about what to do with him. He will do in the last couple of verses. But for the moment, he's thinking about God. And he's saying, I don't need to worry about the wicked person with his evil schemes. I don't need to worry about the trouble that he's causing. All I need is the kindness of my God. That kindness to continue towards me. All I need is thy righteousness to the upright in heart, that his right and good decisions, if I have the benefit of his goodness, his righteousness, his truth, his kindness, then why do I need to worry about evil people with evil schemes? Just let me be the upright in heart, the one who does what is right and good, who's learned to serve God and serves God in faithfulness, then I may be sure that I can call upon God 
and ask him for all the loving kindness and righteousness that I need to live my life for him. And then David prays about that cruel, evil enemy with whom he started in, in verses 1 to 4. Verse 11 he says, Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. Do you see what he's done there? He's called the wicked person by another name, the proud person, the foot of pride. He's saying, if you've got a proud person, he thinks he's greater than other people. So it's like someone who roughly tramples down what's below him. He's saying, don't let that wicked person crush me with his feet. God, save me from that proud person's cruelty. May he, may he not have power over me to, to create trouble for me, to destroy me. Let not the foot of pride come against me. And then, having thought about one part of the body, the foot, he thinks about another part of the body, the hand. Let not the hand of the wicked remove me. In the word pictures of the Bible, the hand expresses the power, the strength of him. Don't let that wicked person act in strength to take me away from the place which you have for me. No, stop that wicked person. Act against him. And then, verse 12, there are the workers of iniquity fallen. They're fallen. They're defeated. This is the same word as for iniquity in verse 3 and mischief in verse 4. These people who try to cause trouble, wickedness, these people who try to do worthless things, they did their evil work. But now, they are fallen. They are defeated when God acts against them. They are cast down. Uh, another picture for having been fallen or, or having been pushed to the ground and shall not be able to rise. They lose their strength. They lose their power because God, our great God, God who rules all people, has acted against them. And God's people who trusted his mercy, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his judgments, verses 5 and 6, they have known his protection under the shadow of his wings, under his, in his special place of protection, verse 7, where they are close to him. Please write to me. My email address is 333 kjv at gmail.com that's 333kjv at gmail.com and now let me read you the whole of psalm 36 to the chief musician a psalm of david the servant of the lord the transgression of the wicked saith within mine heart the transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise 
and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains, thy judgments are a great deep, O Lord. Thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of thy, the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise.